Hi, this is Glenn from Wigwam. You're listening to Godless Heels. All right! Lightning. Fire. Power of God or something. He died for our sins. That shall be his undoing. Hey, 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 hey! What is going on here? Shocking. Positively shocking. That's just funny. <laughs> ah, fuck you. I love it when a plan comes together. Hey, come here. Hi. God damn it. Okay, now, uh, if by any chance I get, like, flustered, you know, when I'm hurling through space, and, and, and I pull the red one first. Oh, and you're going to wind up looking like a well-done chili burger. They're going to have to shove you into a coffin. Fine. You bastard! Drop dead! I don't do requests. You remember one thing. You screw up just this much, you'll be flying a cargo plane full of rubber dog shit out of Hong Kong. I'm Larry. Fuck off, Larry. Hey, this is Dr. Vincent West, and I've got a great guest for us today. I'm so excited to talk with Glam from Wigwam. We're going to be talking about their new album, uh, which is going to be coming out on uh, February 10th. And uh, so excited to talk with him. A huge fan of the band. We're going to check everything about this album. It's so exciting. Um, and then we're going to talk about a bunch of stuff on this record and uh, lots of fun stuff. And Glam, thank you so much for taking the time to do this today. Uh, thank you for having me. Really appreciate and, uh, you. We're, we're really looking forward to, to, to releasing the album too. You know, so after making an album, you know, you're so so eager to to, to hear what the, what the fans think, you know, and what what journalists thinks, and you know, so um, exciting days. So, real quick, can you talk about uh, how you got involved with Wigwam originally? Oh. Uh, from the start? Yes, please. At the very beginning, yeah. Actually, it, um, you know, I, I knew all the guys except for the drummer from, from the 80s. You know, I used to rehearse in the same rehearsal room, uh, rehearsal house as, uh, as, as Tron. He was, back in the 80s, he was playing with a, with a very famous artist there in Norway called um, Ole Irnrud. He actually... Um, he went to to America and did something with a big big label there too, and he was like one of my favorite guitar players. He was almost like you know a god hero, a hero, a guitar hero here in Norway. You know, so uh, and and Bern, the bass player, he used to play in a band called Arch, heavy metal legends from from my hometown. They they both were some years older than me, and I really looked up to them, and you know was. These were like the, the old guys back then, <laughs> you know. Right. And um, after a while, you know, um, we we, we um, got together to to do uh, to form a jam band in a place called Halden. It was Tron that called me up. Um, we had uh, I don't think we had didn't do anything before that. That was probably the very first thing I did with Tron. Uh, but I had a project with Burnt that was called Rock and Roll Adventure in the in late 80s, and started the 90s, with, uh, you know, going through the history of rock and roll, you know, I was the bass player in that uh-huh. project, and uh, almost like a music show. So we had worked together. I, I never, I had never met Oystein before, because he was living in Sweden, and he was kind of a, 
I mean, it was a rock star in Sweden, you know, with Shaboom. So they were very big in, in Sweden, one of the biggest names in Sweden back then. And um, yeah, so we formed this uh, jam band that Tron, uh, Tron was uh, doing, you know, he, he knew this uh, owner of a club that really wanted to have a jam band every Friday night, you know. And uh, so we were called uh, the Absolute Friday Band. <laughs> because this was the absolute Friday night or so right. uh, in this club and we did you know this was like in the year 2000 and we did all the classic uh, Led Zeppelin tunes Deep Purple Ballet and sometimes some Motley Crue and stuff like that uh, and it was great it was uh, great fun to finally be able to, to rock out again because back then that music was looked upon as passe you know uh, dinosaur rock and roll nobody liked that it wasn't actually in fashion <laughs> right so uh, after a while we had, we had a great time after a while we got this gig somebody wanted us to play um, at a 80s themed party so um, like three days before that party I told the guys you know we need a new band and we can't we can't name, can't name ourselves uh, the absolute Friday band and, and you know we look just like we just came back from work so how about putting on some stagewear or whatever and uh, so I asked the guys to bring whatever they had from from the 80s you know and uh, and that day we actually took the fo first photos and we got our nicknames and the band name and uh, the whole image thing and and it's just um, developed from there <laughs> it's incredible and as far as um your all's influences. What are some of your all's influences to, for like Wigwam sound? Yeah, you know, we're, we're the the reason why we sound like we sound is probably because we 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 come from very different backgrounds and very different genres. Really, uh, I mean, uh, Tron is more into the blues thing and very much into you know Led Zeppelin and the, you know and Van Halen, of course. Uh, while Burnt, he comes from the more you know, for, from heavy metal, he's more into Judas Priest and Slayer and that stuff, you know. And uh, Oystein, he's really actually a kind of a pop, pop freak, <laughs> loves pop and punk. <laughs> and I'm more from the, the glam rock uh, thing, you know. I grew up with Alice Cooper, Kiss, Sweet, Sweets. Uh, sure. Sweet was probably the, one of the first bands I heard, except for Elvis Presley. And then, you know, of course, of course Queen. And, uh, so together, that you know, together when we make songs together, it's 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 uh, it becomes wigwam, and it's easy. I mean, to hear when you listen to the new album, it's pretty. At least for me, I can easily hear which song comes from Burnt, which song that comes from Tron, and which song that comes from me. We are three songwriters, and you can also hear which parts of a song that comes from each individual individual individual. Uh, Songwriter, yeah. <laughs> excellent, excellent. And then, as far as the writing process for Out of the Dark, how did when did that start? Oh, it started pretty much uh, straight after we had uh, finished uh, Never Say Die because we were in such a great process. I mean, we we had gone back together again and uh, and uh, writing songs together again was uh, pretty smooth and. Uh, so, so I told told Tron, you know, while we're at it, we should really just uh, continue. 
just like you know let's not stop this process because we have such a good time and uh, and we had already agreed upon you know the, the kind of sound we were making for the new album it was gonna be pretty similar to never say die a bit more flashy you know uh, right. so uh, so we we just started and the first song that we wrote was actually the title track out of the dark that yeah. was Tron and me um, sitting down with uh, a couple of acoustic guitars and starting up and then then Tron just wanted me to to um, wanted me to hear a riff that he had been toying around with and that was this try to play that, that that riff on acoustic guitars pretty pretty heavy uh, <laughs> pretty heavy sound there and pretty hard to do what about um the production of it did you guys produce it yourself did y'all bring a producer in or how did that work for out of the dark uh, from from the very start, from the very first album until now, we only had one producer, and that's Tron. Awesome. Um, yeah, so the guitar player and uh, one of the songwriters, uh, he's he's our producer. And you know, when we started with Guam, we originally we were a cover band, you know, and so we we had this uh, brilliant idea. <laughs> I got. I get so so many crazy ideas at nighttime, and this this was one of the, the crazy ideas I had for the band that we were actually from the United States, from the Polish quarter of, of Brooklyn called Bronx with a set, and that we had a great career in uh, back in the U.S. Not a great career actually; it was pretty lousy because we were all drug addicts, and you know the the albums didn't sell, and so we so we moved to to Norway. And all our songs that have been stolen, you know, we took them back <laughs> and, and, and played them in the original versions, you know, our original versions of um, Living on a Prayer and, you know, Ballroom Blitz and songs like that. So that was kind of the backstory when we started, you know, playing these 80s, 80s themed uh, parties, you know, and we just had a lot of fun because we, we never in a million years that we, we, we would think that this was going to be a career. This was more like, you know, party gig you know so uh, but after a while we had so much fun with it I mean we created this buzz about uh, around the band uh, I mean one of the first first festivals we did we we actually headlined and uh, and uh, the, the support acts were Slade and and Sweet and the, the oh, you know awesome. monsters of glam rock or something and we were headlined because we had a big after a while we had a great following here in the district where we live you know so uh, and, and we always entered, you know, we were by a stretch limousine and we used all, you know, the, the fees we used on, on you know, helicopters and stuff like that. And we yeah. had we had press conferences and you know, we, we hired, you know, um, journalists from uh, uh, BBC and uh, all around. Actually, it was only friends of ours, you know, and with cameras and, and uh, <laughs> everything. So it was all like a make-believe thing, you know. <laughs> It's incredible. Um, and as far as uh, you guys recording this album, uh, when did you all record um, Out of the Dark? Like as far as like just, were you all doing it back and forth with each other? Or did you all do it all in one like studio together or how did that go? Uh, uh, you know, for where they came from and was that a Kiss song? Oh, yeah, I think it's a Kiss song. We never wanted to tell them that 
they were our own because we, we, we tried them out to see which songs, how would people react on our songs, you know. So we really wanted to to make our first album and um, but we didn't have a we didn't have a label, we didn't have money. So the first album that was called Six Six Seven The Neighbor of the Beast was actually recorded on a cracked Cubase <laughs> in um, <laughs> in Tron's house and all the vocals I did it did it in uh, Mr. and Mrs. Halter's bedroom. <laughs> so imagine that. That's why the vocals are so sexy on that album. You know, inspired by the environment. <laughs> for for out of the dark, where did you guys record it? Oh, that's in uh, in Tron, Tron's new house. <laughs> oh, cool. Yeah, he lives down by the sea. It's called um in, in Norway. It's called Spoonvika. Uh, so we just call it the Spoon Bay Studio. Spoon is like you know, Spoon. Vika is a bay. So Spoon Bay, Spoon Bay Studio. Great atmosphere. Did it did 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 it take you all a long time to record out of the dark? You know, uh, we had had this. You know, first we 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 make demos. You know, and when we make demos, we. You know, we, we we record bits and pieces and stuff like that. Some songs are, you know, uh, recorded over a period of time, and uh, some songs for a short period. You know, so depending on depending on where it came from. When 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 I write songs with Tron, we normally start, you know, to to um, of course then we program drums and everything and make everything, uh, you know, pretty. It sounds great, but you know, everything is going to be changed. We just like to see how you know the the song uh, turns out, and you know, you can change bits and pieces, and until we are, feel that we are satisfied, and then we bring in the whole band and we record the drums. On this album, I think actually Oystein uh, recorded most of his drums in his home studio. I think because uh, Tron, Tron had COVID a couple of times. Oh shit! Uh, yeah, yeah. So, um, so we were a lot of a lot of recordings were actually postponed because he he was uh, he was uh, ill. So, well, I'm I'm glad you all are able to make this record. And let's talk about this album. What can you tell us about the first track, Out of the Dark? Like I, like I said, it was the first first song to be to be uh, written for the album, and uh, and um, we it, it actually comes from Tron's riff and um, and a conversation that Tron and I had about uh, relationships because he was coming out of a, a pretty tense relationship and had a pretty rough breakup, and uh, and um, and we talked about you know uh, how it feels. I mean. That's really so much better to, to end a, a non-working relationship, and you can finally see the light again. You know? Right. And uh, so, so that's how we got into the out of the dark phrase, and, and then and then we started to, to talk about a friend of ours that had been in this domestic violence relationship. So, so we dramatized the whole song and um, and the lyrics. And I remember I had uh, I had uh, had an idea for. For another song um, with this kind of uh, sing-along theme, oh, 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 kind of kind of Iron Maidenish, you know. Um, sure. 
but it really dug it. So we used that in the chorus, so you can actually hear the guitar playing that during the whole chorus. It, it's on the you know the layers that you can't hear so well. But we, we thought it was so cool, and we we brought it brought it to the front in the the middle eight there. So that's actually the middle eight. So it turns out with the drums and everything building up, you know. Amazing. So. It's a great, great way to kick the album off too, and then uh, with the title track. What about High and Dry track two? Yeah, that was one of mine. Um, we had finished uh, half the album, and uh, and then we had the massive success with Peacemaker. And uh, so I told the guys, you know, uh, I really think we should try to to uh, bring in some material that that is a bit lighter a bit more poppy kind of you know that will will make the people that have only heard do you want to taste it uh recognize the band because you know we are obviously a bit harder and darker these days than we used to be before the before the breakup sure. so i i had this idea for this song that i done only my on my acoustics i remember sitting here and just recording everything um sent in a demo to the guys and they loved it and so just uh, finished it up in the studio it's pretty much sounds pretty much the same as as i uh, recorded it except for the guys of course being much better musicians than i am <laughs> the solo uh, Actually, yeah, pretty much the same solo, but you know, I have to do you know the to 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 make the notes. I have to do you know the loop recording, you know, for every sure. for every little part, you know. So I can't play, couldn't play the whole solo in one take, you know. Right. So that's how you do it. Fake it to make it. <laughs> what about uh, track three, Forevermore? Oh, that's um, that was also a pretty late one. Um, I'll never say die. I brought in a song called Kilimanjaro with a kind of you know acoustic and other kind of western western vibe. So um, we thought about we talked about you know trying to do something pretty much the same on this album, but I never I think I just forgot about it until Tron said, "Hey, I got this uh, song number three thing, you know, with the western <laughs> kind of." Except I've, I've changed the western style with the Viking style, so it's like, "Oh my god, cool!" So uh, yeah, that was his song, and we all love this song. So it's it's actually it's actually uh, the third single from the album. Yeah, it's killer. Um, what about uh, track four, "Bad Luck Chuck"? That's the only song, and maybe the first song in in the fifteen years that we wrote more or less together. It comes off. Uh, we we did a rehearsal uh, for the Never Say Die tour. We had already written like three or four songs for the album, and we were rehearsing and just jamming, you know, you know, just before taking a break, and uh, just had some fun, do <laughs> some blues tunes and stuff. And we ended up uh, playing what became a, a Bad Luck Chuck. Um, did. I only came up with some scatting and had some some small small ideas for melody on it, and but I recorded the the, the session that we had in the rehearsal room just on my iPhone or something, and I brought it onto my studio and uh, loaded it in in and uh, and the melody just came and the, the lyric too because I think I, I think actually I was, I was singing Bad Luck Chuck uh, during the rehearsal when we jammed and um, yeah. 
no, the story just wrote itself. It's a great song. It's about, you know, we all have friends like that. Friends that are, uh, <laughs> are kind of having bad luck, even though they really don't have bad luck. They are just dumb or they are just doing the wrong things. I mean, if you, if you want to be rich, don't join a rock band, for example. Right. It's <laughs> <laughs> a great song. Uh, what about track five, Abracut Shazam? That comes up um, from from um, the time when um, when um, R- Russia invaded Ukraine. Because I remember when when Trump sent me the riff, I thought it was uh, awesome. You know, I was like, "Wow, fucking amazing!" So um, I was gonna play around with it. You know, uh, it was a Friday evening. I was just home and. Uh, had some wine, you know. I just, I just watched the TV and and the Ukrainians. They had really, uh, really uh, shook up the Russians by taking out uh, one of the uh, brigades or something, you know. And uh, and uh, and I was like, wow, yeah. <laughs> I was uh, kind of sharing off with them. So uh, so I wrote this song uh, about. You know, almost like a David and against Goliath situation. You know, very cool song. Uh, what about track six, "Ghosting You"? "Ghosting You" comes off. It's it's, a, it's a, one of the the earlier songs that I had originally written for uh, Ammunition, of the band that I that formed after we broke up Wigwam. Uh, oh, okay, because we are thinking about. Thinking about you know new songs maybe in the future. So sometimes when I don't write songs, you know, uh, you kind of have a, a tag on. I have a tag on them saying you know ammunition or something solo or something country or. Right. I, I'm a songwriter for different artists as as well. So nice. It's it's good to have some tags, you know. And this song when I listened to it, I felt you know that was the kind of song that we were back then missing on the album. So I just sent it to the guys and. Uh, and they loved it, and um, and of course, going through the wigwam system, it does, doesn't sound that like a 1970s era kind of song. It sounds like a wigwam song because that's how how the music sounds when it goes through our machinery. Sure, it's great. It's a great song. What about track seven, Thanks. the purpose? Oh, the purpose. Um, Actually, that was a song we never thought would end on the album because I think it, back then in the start when, when we when we were doing uh, the, the first songs, that was a track that Tron and Burnt had started to write on, and actually they, I think they were thinking about that using that as a kind of an instrumental for Tron to play a guitar solo on. Right. Uh, and I just fell in love with the melody, and I I just wanted to take, wanted to take it for a spin back back here in my, my studio just on my, my own and uh, the whole melody and the, the lyric just, everything just came uh, well, first take them kind of you know uh, the, the, the meaning with the lyrics and that, that, that it was going to be a story like thing you know about someone losing each other and trying to find find someone else you know to, to share their lives with and then so it became a, a beautiful ballad, but we, we thought it was maybe a bit too soft. 
but it was after the, the the peacemaker thing that when we talked maybe we should should have some some songs that weren't as heavy on on the album i mean to to make this journey uh you know a bit more variated that we we we, we decided to use it on, uh, on the album because you, you're playing around with different songs and you see kind of when you make an album you know it, it's interesting to see how different the, the the feel of the journey through the album uh, is if you change the track list, you know. So right, it's a, it's, it's, a, it's a, yeah, it's, it, it really is a journey. So where do you start and where do you end, and which places are you? Are we going to take our listeners to? You know. So absolutely, absolutely, it was perfect where to, where it was where place. I think. What about track eight, the American Dream? What about that one? Yeah, that's a cool track. It's um, almost like a Turbo Negro song. <laughs> it comes off uh, from Burnt, and uh, for me, that who, who knows Burnt a lot as a songwriter, it's very easy to hear because you know his his melodies they're very different. He makes melodies that are very different from both mine and and um, and Tron's. So uh, normally, what I do when he comes. When he presents songs, uh, I will tell him to sing it se- uh, himself because he, he has the char- this characteristic voice and the way of singing that you know really fits his own songs because they're obviously made for him. Right. But this one I I did a take on and um, it was <coughs> we were playing around with it being a duet, but you know. It, Everything worked out for me, and we, we kind of found found the right way to to do the song for me. Yeah, yeah, it's killer. What about track nine seventy nine? You know, on every album, I've uh, I've talked Tron into having an instrumental. You know, on the first album, we we were uh, you know like a cabaret band. <laughs> you know, we were not a cabaret band but you know everything was just make believe and so and we we had really we everything was just tongue in cheek you know so on the first album we we wanted to do our take on the final uh finals eruption so we we had we had our own little sequence there called the erection and uh, <laughs> on the next album <laughs> we, we had already had one of his solos on you know on the first album so hey why don't you just make an instrumental for the next one that became drop the drop and and on every album he has had an instrumental so on this one too uh, that's our formula i mean if you if you have a guitar player like that with that plays with his heart on the sleeve it's uh, i think it's very nice to to have an instrumental as well and this one uh, probably one of his best, I think, because this this really showcases his his abilities as a guitar player. He's uh, so emotional, and the 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 the, the, the whole thing, you know, the, the atmosphere and the, the the beautiful melody and the way he plays it. It's uh, he's paying homage to to his big guitar heroes um, that he discovered way back in '79, of course. <laughs> so uh, yeah. Great, great track. Great guitar player. He's unbelievable. Um, let's oh, see. He is, he yeah, is. unbelievable. Uh, track 10, God By Your Sod. What about that one? 
Oh, that, as you can hear on that song, it's not me singing. It's a burnt using his Lemmy-ish vocals. So, so yeah, it's a cool track. I really love. I really love his voice, man. Uh, I think. I think it's it's good to to have a different voice too on the album. Uh, as well, on one album, I think we even had Tron singing a song <laughs> because you know, uh, like ten, eleven, twelve songs with the same singer. Uh, I'm 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 used to trying to to to, um, to make my voice sound different, uh, you know, dif- depending on the song. But you know, it's also cool to have a totally different voice and uh and he's got this uh, very heavy metalish uh <laughs> guitar thing there so yeah great song and, and it's very good also to have having singing at least one song in our live set gives me time to to put on some uh, some dry clothes <laughs> and uh, have a little rest two uh, minutes right <laughs> right to get back in uh I said exactly. Exactly. That's cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Let's see. Uh, track eleven, the final track, "Sailor in the Desert Sun." What about that one? Yeah, that's the song that I uh, that I co-wrote with uh, two other songwriters from Norway. Um, as a songwriter, you know, I, I have sessions with different people, and sometimes, you know, mostly I write songs that aren't in you know this genre genre uh, at all. It's Usually pop songs, so you know, typical you know singer songwriter songs. Uh, but uh, these two guys and me, we we joined together to write uh, a song for Yorn. Actually, we didn't get together to write a song for Yorn. We wrote, got together to, to write a song for the Eurovision Song Contest here in Norway, and uh, it ended up being a great song called "Faith, Bloody Faith." And they wanted me to participate in in the Eurovision Song Contest here in Norway with that song, but that was that was at the same time that we were releasing our comeback album Never Say Die. So right. I turned them down, but I really wanted the song to 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 participate. So they told me to find a singer. Uh, if I found a good enough singer, uh, that would be interesting to to have on this show. They would accept it. So I thought about your London, your old friend of mine. You know, been friends for years. He's a hell of a vocalist. Oh yeah, he is. And I, you know, I never expected him to to accept the offer, Um, but he did. Surprisingly, I sent him the song, and he didn't call me back for almost a week. Uh, So I actually got someone else instead, and. uh, in his place, and uh, and uh, but then after a week, he called me and said, "Yeah, I'm ready. I want to do it. <laughs> I've just tried the song on, you know, for a week. So he wanted to be absolutely sure before he called me. So um, it became a great song. And you know, after we did, did that song with uh, John, uh, the three of us songwriters, we decided, you know, we should write some more. So we got together and wrote some more songs, and." Um, and this was one of the songs that came out of those sessions. Well, Out of the Dark is a fabulous record. Kids, pick it up from Wigwam. It comes out February 10th on Frontiers Records. Glam, I cannot thank you enough for this. Can't wait to see you guys stateside. Oh, thank you for having me. It's, it's fucking so nice awesome. To, 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 yeah. 
talk about the new music and stuff you know and we can't wait to come come to the u.s and bring some of these songs from the new album out there live too i mean it's gonna be a blast for us absolutely and, uh, we do a lot of new songs from you know this album and obviously from never to die and, and the whole whole back catalog and and if you're if you want to see more than one show i'll tell you that that will probably change the set list pretty much down there so uh that's what we're aiming for to to present you know different songs you know to surprise people that's incredible absolutely incredible sir well i wish you all the best uh, again, you, kids, pick up Wigwams Out of the Dark on February 10th from Frontier Records. Glam, thank you so much for taking the time to do this today. Awesome. Cracker Jack timing, Wang. Total concentration. You ready, Jack? I was born ready. Take us out. Ready, good sir. Brought a tear to me, I... Don't be quiet.